Hello, and welcome to Headmounted Destinations. This is a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and provide a peek behind the curtain for people who are interested in how VR games are made. I'm Matt, I'm a gameplay programmer, and with me... I'm Carlos, I'm a level designer. Today we're just talking. Today we're just talking about stuff. What type of stuff? One thing that I do want to talk about is yesterday, for the first time in a long time, I got to see someone getting demoed to VR. Basically for the first time, new user, it was at a like a small party environment. I was like, oh, let's you know, bring out the quest, have people try it on. Was this like a group demo? Like you said, small party environment. Was this like you were putting it on someone in front of a whole bunch of people? Or was it more of like a more one-on-one type of thing? It, it was like six-ish people, and it was it was not my place or my quest. It was the host was, you know, I'll bring out my quest too, because, you know, people are sort of interested by VR naturally. It's natural curiosity. Okay, so we have an audience for, we have, we have people interested in going into the headset, and in demoing it, we now have an audience uh, for the person who is in the headset. Yeah. Oh, did you guys have any sort of like game streaming setup? Were you able to like Chromecast it to the TV? Yeah, so it was it was being cast to the TV uh, through the Oculus interface. Although, you know, just to highlight how bad the Oculus UX is, he was like, I don't know how to how to cast the TV now and spent like a minute poking around in the menus inside the headset. This is the person who owns the headset was like, where is this option? And it's like, oh, this is thrilling. Just watching someone <laughs> do nothing in front of a TV trying to get it set up. I totally understand where his struggle lies because I think I complained about it with you, you know, when when this Facebook UI change came to be and they like condensed everything into this like one shortcut module that it doesn't even call itself out. Anyway, the only reason I know how to cast is because I get clips for this show like i have not really any other reason to be chromecasting to the tv like i'll look it up because i'm an enthusiast and i want to show vr to other people but still like absolutely oculus could make things so much more straightforward i think it's like just overly minimalist might be the word like it's just overly minimalized like all its call outs which just makes it hard to navigate but How did the experience continue on with this person showing off VR? I would love to know, like, what game did they show? Like, take us through this. So we finally get the casting set up, and it actually works really well. Uh, Like, the latency is low. The picture's good. Um, You know, it does sound and everything fine. So then we hit the next hurdle, which is, you know, the person uh, who owns the, the headset has lenses in corrective lenses so this makes it very weird to wear as someone who doesn't need glasses um to the point where like later when i put it on i was like what like i didn't know the lenses were in and i was like what is up with this is the ipd off like something is wrong but i imagine if someone was new to vr they wouldn't realize something was wrong that that was like bad um but then so it's like, oh, okay, I'll take the lenses out, even though it's a pain. I have to clean the lenses each time because in the process of taking the lenses out, it gets smudged. So he's reticent to take the lenses out. Um, but we take the lenses out uh, and then we start a Beat Saber because, you know, for most people, the Oculus Quest is basically a Beat Saber machine. <laughs> um, and it's the game everyone knows. It's very easy to jump into. 
as a first-time user. Yeah, it's swords cutting through blocks, and you have arrows telling you which way to cut. It's, like, just so straightforward. That's why a lot of people can just pick it up and understand it. Yeah, and it's it's fairly fun to spectate, not, like, you know, as something happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and it you don't move a lot, so it's good. You're relatively constrained in the amount of space that you use. So it's a good demo game. Um, anyway, so we, he starts up Beat Saber, and he has mods on. And so every time the game, every time the headset comes off and gets put back on, it pops up a thing that says, hey, do you want to update? And every time he's like, no, 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 don't hit update. It'll break all the mods. Oh, gosh. So like already, it's like every time a a user is putting on the headset now, they're confronted with this like, do you want to update? And like, they don't really know how to interact with the interface potentially, but it's like, Oh no, don't press update or it'll break the mods. <laughs> that's, that's not a great, uh, a great experience. So that's more of like a note to people trying to show games off to other people. Like we as developers have to make our, you know, content foolproof as much as we can. So it doesn't fall apart. If you are showing off stuff to your friends, like make sure you foolproofed it for your friends, right? Don't like slip the headset on and then literally they can hit the self-destruct button as soon yeah. as they put the headset on. I think the solve here is probably just pick a different game or like or no mods or integrate the mods better or something. The best solve here is Oculus should introduce a feature where you can just disable updates on a game. You can be like, hey, I'll choose when to yeah. update this. Stop bugging me. Oh, yeah. The the checkbox, like, don't ask me again. That that yeah. would be perfect. Now, if that doesn't happen, then, yeah, I mean, the, the solve here is really on the developer side. It's like, hey, add backwards compatibility with mods or, or something like that, which mm-hmm. is, of course, a, a tough call because it takes engineering resources and, and all this stuff. And it is not an easy solve there. Okay, so we get past the self-destruct button um and into the game and uh there there was definitely a point where the guy playing was like uh oh like i'm i'm pointing my laser pointer at this menu option and hitting a and nothing's happening and we're like oh no you have to hit the triggers he's like Mm. the trigger he's like oh no you're holding the controller wrong he's like oh that makes a lot more sense okay now now i am my fingers (laughs) over a trigger um but then like still to navigate the menus uh the guy who owns the quest comes in and like is holding the the controller and like clicking through menu options using the TV as a guide, um, which is just awkward. And the person in the headset's just standing there doing nothing. So like overall, it's a very awkward and perilous experience from like, oh, hey, like you want to try out this headset to getting into a game of Beat Saber. Once he's in Beat Saber, it's fine, uh, you know, playing a song. So it's just like it really highlighted to me how there's a lot of friction when even just demoing a very simple thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's that's like a very important role that VR needs to fill right now is the like evangelist like, oh, hey, you have a headset. Can I try it in like a a casual social situation? I think there needs to be a lot more consideration towards that. Yeah, like Zuck needs to compose some glass boxes that have like straight up like living rooms inside of them, you know, like it's some sort of Westworld type lab where they're just having a headset and like six people in a circle and they're all trying to try it out in different ways. (laughs) That's not a bad idea because, you know, like uh, Riot for a long time, I don't know if they still do this, but they have 
mock-ups of like internet cafes in their studio because it's like league of legends is played a lot in these sort of gaming cafes in asia right so they had mock-ups of that kind of environment in the studio what do you mean by mock-ups as in like uh, a model or like no like a room with computers that's laid out in the same way oh um with like similar types of machines and like as an employee you could like play the game there on those machines in that environment because you get a feel for like you know wow. people around you what the the atmosphere is like that reminds me of uh AAA studios generally do this uh or you know whatever studios have the funding for this will do this where they have a like home entertainment system with like the biggest tv the best like speakers and the directors will like run uh you know they'll play the game with that type of setup and that to me reads like what riot is doing but it's like you know two very different audiences like i guess like let's take sony for instance right if they're doing this for uncharted they know people are going to be in their living room and like trying to get this like big cinematic movie experience whereas like league of legends they've recreated the net cafe environment because that is either their target audience or it just became like the audience that responded so well to their game is that right you think yeah and and i mean this is not uncommon, right? Even at Servius, when they were focusing on arcades and location-based entertainment, had a mock-up of a arcade cell uh, in the back where you know you could go and, and test because it had a fairly peculiar setup with the Vive and, and the lighthouse trackers in the front and the, the weird reflective glass. So I think it's not unusual to have test environments, but yeah, you, I mean, when you talk about also having like the social environment tested where it's like six people sitting around chatting and also the headset is being passed around and you know you don't want someone to have to chaperone the whole thing it should be fairly autonomous that would be a good thing to test and they do give some nods to that they have a demo mode in the quest um where you can like i think set which games can be played or like disable the settings menu i don't know it's it's some functionality but it's that's disregarding the like the friction in the ux of introducing it to people you know don't don't have these self-destruct buttons yeah there's already a natural problem in there don't ask your users then to just kind of like figure it out on your own like no you are oculus slash facebook like go ahead and put in the money and focus that you need and resources, obviously, money, resources, focus, whatever, that you need to just, like, start at least addressing this problem. Yeah. Besides the fact that Oculus could do better, I think this also highlights how there's maybe a niche for developers to fulfill here that's, like, Beat Saber... Okay, so why is Beat Saber so popular? It's a simple mechanic. It's a very, like, kinetically pleasing and straightforward thing, right? You're just making your arms move horizontally or vertically, and you've, like, ch kind of chopped something with a sword at some point in your life, or at least, you know, pretended to do so. Yeah, I think a huge part of it is it, the mechanics are straightforward and they are kinesthetic. I think also the kinesthetics look cool, like... It's totally possible to make a game that has simple kinesthetic mechanics, but you don't look good doing it. And that is going to cause people to not want to try it in a social environment. Mm -hmm. I think also the, the musical component is maybe a factor where it's like, you know, music drives the, the feeling of a game a lot of the time. 
um, because there's so many emotions wrapped up in music. And having like a wide music selection means that people can set the tone for themselves. I think that's a factor. Um, I think the factor that you can replay levels in a very controlled way and, and have like a, you know, try to beat this person's high score is is totally a factor. Right. And, you know, so there's all these things. Not a lot of games hit all those checkboxes. It's hard to think of other games that demo really well in that social environment. Well, I guess what I'm really sort of coming around to is like right now, the only games I see demoing well in the environment that you described, which is a small party environment, would be like arcadey titles. The music rhythm part of it is perfect because it's already a party as is. People love music at parties. So you're kind of like killing two birds with one stone there. But I see something like Half-Life Alex being cool for the individual, but not being cool for the audience watching the player. And I think that is, like you said, because there are no like body motions that really feel, I guess, relatable or dynamically translate to people from the outside. Whereas with Beat Saber, you, depending on how like, Lucy goosey the player is feeling you know you've got people doing like the little t-rex chop versus the people who are really into it going full like lightsaber swings or whatever um people will see that you know whatever spectrum of motion there is and be like oh that seems kind of at least intriguing Whereas Half-Life Alex, you're kind of taking your sonic screwdriver, which is just your regular controller and just kind of like holding it around the environment, you know, when you're scanning for power lines, like you got the gun and stuff. So like maybe there are some actions there that like read is a little bit appealing, but I think it's like such a it's such a variety of actions. And if the people don't have the context from the outside, they won't get some sort of continuous story or like grounding as to like what you're doing from the outside world sort of thing. Meaning like with Beat Saber, you're always seeing the chopping and the chopping is like really easy to understand. Whereas if I was looking at someone playing Half-Life Alex without watching the stream and just looking at their body, I may not be able to tell when they're doing a sonic screwdriver bit versus upgrading their gun versus picking a new weapon versus shooting a zombie or or like hitting it with a bucket so that's really interesting you bring that up like there really could be some sort of external kinesthetic hook or some sort of like kinesthetic story to be told through the player's body just in terms of like if you want to catch people's eye like if you want to catch people's eye you got to create this body motion that externally is like oh that's kind of interesting and can be kind of red so like for now you know beat saber and oh actually maybe pistol whip uh works here a little bit is a good example so you're always like holding your controller like a gun like straight forward right and then you bring it to a direction to reload which can be read pretty well because you're just like switching from like gun pose to like bring your hand down and back up and then the pistol whip itself is you like hammering on something in front of you uh besides the dodging and stuff which all of these are still very like primal sort of like readable uh kinesthetic motions from the outside looking in like if you saw someone playing pistol whip at an airport one probably don't want to play pistol whip at an airport i don't know how (laughs) it looks from the outside but two people would probably understand oh okay this guy's shooting a gun he's ducking oh people are probably shooting at him and he's ducking and shooting back right they may not understand that there's a track and you're dodging walls but 
they are able to kind of connect a story in their head because you have these like body motion kinesthetic building blocks that are readable to our our monkey brains yeah i think you're totally right and other examples i can think of are like space pirate trainer where it's like oh oh he's yeah clearly dodging something and you know i guess pointing and shooting definitely like the dancing around dodging stuff aspect of that is pretty readable and um Dance Central would be a huge readable one as well. Depending on how good you are, I don't know. I think people would still understand your dancing. But what was the other game you were going to bring up? Oh, uh, Autica. So Autica and Dance Central, I think, are good examples. Um, oh, aren't those both harmonics games, too? Is Dance Central harmonics? Yes, definitely. Then yes. Cool. Yeah, so Autica, the rhythm shooting game, like, yep, that's very much kind of like space pirate trainery in the sense that, like, okay, he has two, like, sort of guns. And I guess the Oculus controller is sort of naturally, yeah, it's, yeah, because it has the trigger and the grip on the side. Your, your hand, when read from a distance, could be, like, seen as, like, oh, okay, it's kind of like holding a gun. Um, and with Dance Central, obviously, you're moving your entire body and trying to match these poses that the dancers are doing. So, like, people from the outside can read, oh, okay, that person is playing a dancing game. Oh, okay. And the whole time you're doing the dancing. The outside bit is when you're, like, checking your cell phone or something like that. And I think that could still be read pretty well. I wonder how Until You Fall would read. Oh, interesting. I think it could be easily read. And I'm saying this just thinking that, like, we've talked about the gestures being very wide and dramatic. So I could imagine that reading from the outside, like, it just looks like you're sword fighting the entire time. But, like, you're moving, you're going to clearly be moving your controller. Like, you'll see someone positioning their controller for a block. And then after that, they'll, like, swipe it, like, several times. So I think that's like pretty readable. I don't know if it's going to look good. I don't know if any of this looks good. Half the time we see it on TikToks as like people being like, what's this goofball doing? <laughs> like from outside the yeah. headset. Which no, actually on that note, you know, we're, we're going down this route of like, does this thing read well with no context? Mm-hmm. And from that point of view, I don't actually think Beat Saber reads very well. Like it's it is not clear what someone is doing when they're playing Beat Saber. If you don't if you're not seeing their screen. Like, it kind of looks like you're, like, running in place almost (laughs) a lot of the time. Or, like, you know, it does not read as swinging swords. Okay. The reason we can pick it out in a video is because it's very distinctive. And we're like, oh, that's that's Beat Saber. That's someone playing Beat Saber. But if you don't have that information beforehand of what that looks like, it doesn't read very well. So I think, you know, Until You Fall is the same thing where it wouldn't read as sword combat potentially. I would just be like weird flailing. I still think it looks interesting. Definitely weird flailing. Like both both Beat Saber and Until You Fall. When someone's playing it, you're like, they're doing something. Maybe I want to see what that is. So it's it's not uninteresting like a lot of slower paced VR games can be, where it's like you're basically just standing around limply pointing a controller at something. <laughs> yeah. Just to wrap up the like demoable games thing you know i didn't didn't get a chance to try this out at this party i was at but you know there's a couple of games that bring in outside spectators there's like a puppet theater game um and someone some like 1v4 you know games where the person in vr is a 
a big monster and then people are on game pads playing little characters. There's a couple of games along those lines. Yeah. I didn't get to try any of those out. Oh man. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, you're talking about puppet fever and maybe a game like Akron, like squirrels versus a tree or something. Yeah. There's definitely a a couple of those, like the person in VR is a big creature that you're trying to either hide from or fight. Yeah. It's definitely a genre that I think is going to like catch on as we get past this like friction. I think, you know, it's really funny that we're talking about this because I think those games are totally attuned to that environment, but the headset, like the the sort of like introducing VR to other people in a casual way is like such a friction point that it's hurting these games from like getting utilized and or being the gateway for VR. I'm not sure, actually. I think the, the friction is there, of course, um, but, you know, people are trying it on to play Beat Saber. I think the the friction point that is stopping these sort of VR versus non-VR mm-hmm. type games is that there's extra friction beyond the headset. For a lot of these games, they d- don't have a phone app. Right. Puppet Fever does. But also, I remember we tried that out and it was a huge pain to get everything connected. Yeah like so much friction in addition to just like is the headset working but like a lot of these games where you know i'm trying to evade someone who's in vr like that needs to have a phone app but they're all distributed as a game that you start on your pc you know stream to your headset and then plug in game pads or have wireless game pads and that's like no one is gonna play that are you kidding me unless you have a very specific setup it needs to be the the headset is running the game and then you download a phone app or even better play in the play in a browser on your phone and then that connects to the game that the headset is hosting that is the absolute essential minimum to get these things to be more popular but i think if that friction was removed if it was really easy if it was jackbox easy right to get into a game where you literally just go to a, a url that's displayed on the screen and type in a four-letter thing, and then you're connected and you're playing. If it was that easy, I think we would see more of these party-style games played on the the headset. Yeah, definitely. That would just... I think we would get like a whole gaggle of people itching to get into VR if things were that easy to play with it. Yeah, and I, I think it's not difficult to do that technically. You just have to be thinking about it from the start. Um, And unfortunately, I don't know if anyone has good data on really how popular those sorts of co-op games are or, or, you know, VR versus non-VR. I'd imagine they are very rare, like they're, they're not purchased a lot. I think a lot of that is like people sort of play VR by themselves, but I can see it being a good streamer game, you know? Stream the the headset in with a like MR style overlay where it's an external camera filming you against the green screen or just streaming the headset thing and then allowing people to connect over the the internet and play in non-VR mode against this person in VR. I don't know. That sounds fun, right? Yeah, I think that would be real nice. Imagine having 64 of, you know, you're a streamer and like 64 of your audience members can join up and they're all playing not in VR and they're like ganging up against you and like you're defending against them or whatever. Yeah. Or like, you know, it, you're you're now like half and half. It's like, here's my here's me and my like 
my stream supporters. Here's like the other team who's like my supporters on the stream, but we're just playing against each other. Anything like that. It also could be like just like cool wacky fun stuff like who knows like i'm thinking like t for god right but with like 64 viewers and the uh, players you know audience members whatever right doing things like picking what floor is going to generate next what hazard is going to come in like is the next room going right. to be like a laser maze that that i now have to kind of navigate my way through in vr or is, is there going to be a big robot that i gotta like shoot a bunch or is it going to be a nice vista is uh are there going to be screen effects like am i suddenly going to get the weird you know druggy overlay where like my screen goes green and it starts playing like music to tell me I'm high or are they going <laughs> to put beer goggles on me and now like I can't walk straight like quite literally um all of that sounds like really like fun and broad stroke accessible which would be amazing at this point i think it would definitely help to get like a lot of eyes on whatever games are doing that but just vr in general and as always, until we reach a really big, you know, install base, we need more eyes on VR. Yeah, I mean, that that seems like the perfect thing to basically have people be participating, watching and then participating and then being like, man, this looks fun. I should get a headset like, oh, it's only 300 bucks. Yeah, I'll buy it for myself for Christmas. Bam. Another person in VR. Exactly. And then, of course, it's up to, you know, we got to keep them playing VR. We got to respect tie dye and all this stuff. But yeah, I think that would go a long way. The final thing that I wanted to uh, talk about in terms of like games in this demo environment, that kind of thing is I was trying to think of like, what games could you play if you had two headsets? And the only one that came mm. off the top of my head was Blast On. That seems like it'd be really fun, right? Oh, yeah, that would read so well. But didn't yeah. also... Uh, didn't Space Pirate Trainer come out with that expansion, Space Pirate Arena? Yeah. I could see that being cool, but it also takes, actually, no, it, it yeah, takes like to too much space. space. Yeah. It would be like, okay, we have this basketball court here. And you need everyone to be in the headset. True. Well, right. Because yes. I mean, the fun of Blast On is you can literally set up the spaces opposing each other and then two people can go in and everyone else. And can, they're like, shooting at each other and you can tell they're yeah. dodging and stuff yeah that would actually be so cool visually just outside the headset watching them basically yeah one-to-one yeah, -one mirroring the motions in game you oh, don't even man. need to stream to the tv at that point we're gonna have to try to set that up next time i come out to california yeah <laughs> i always bring my headset my quest anyway so like <laughs> might as well just play it and set up this cool 1v1 Oh man, that's what that's what we're fucking talking about with hypersports, y'all. Like it's just gonna be like, oh, they're just like dodging and shooting in real life, and then it's like <laughs> big bullets, shotguns. I'm throwing my fucking shield at you. <laughs> Get donked yeah. on the head. Ah, oh, hypersports, take me away. Damn, I kind of want to play Echo Arena. I I could also see multiplayer Beat Saber working in that environment. They're just standing like next to each other or whatever and playing. The and same it's song. like synchronized. It's well, if they're not playing the same difficulty, then it's not synchronized movement. Otherwise, it is. Right. Path of the Warrior. Do you think that would read well and or Creed? Ooh, I could see. Yeah, Creed PvP. <laughs> I could see Creed breaking some headsets. <laughs> People start stepping forward. <laughs> yeah, broken TVs, broken headsets, broken faces. Like. Yeah. Broken jaws. Oh gosh. Um, you know, at this this party, the play space was right in front of the TV, 
and I could feel the anxiety of like, okay, like <laughs> take a step back, like just okay, okay, I think you're far enough away. <laughs> I mean, like you know, if you don't own VR, you can go to the subreddit VR to ER, and after like ten posts, you too will have this anxiety of anyone playing VR next to a television is going to result in either them like dolphin diving into the television <laughs> or punching the television one way or yeah. another that tv is not staying on the wall <laughs> and if, it, if it's not the tv then it's someone around them just getting fucking clocked and oh yeah there was out. this like, th- speaking of beat saber and vr to er there was this one uh like perfect timing gif where you see i think uh there's this like uh it's like a a family of four dad's recording the mom mom's playing beat saber in her like quest two or whatever and like boy toddler who has like baby bottle is walking around the living room and perfectly walks between her arms as she's like slicing the notes (laughs) and she has no clue what's going on (laughs) and it's like it's like the it's like the yes 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 no 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 yes 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 Okay, so so to wrap up, to to look back at what we've talked about, people are still demoing VR. Most people don't have a VR headset. They get an occasional introduction to the technology. You know, we we need to stay mindful as developers and, you know, Oculus needs to stay mindful as a platform creator of this like first-time user experience where it's not I just got a headset. It's I'm trying on a headset for 3 minutes. I think like we used to be super mindful of this two years ago when VR was like first rolling out. But now I, th- I feel like there's kind of an assumption that, you know, all users have this shared understanding of game language and, and are familiar with VR. Uh, and I just don't think that's the case. If you liked this episode of Head Mounted Destinations, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth really helps us out. To get notified about new episodes, go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to discuss this episode, uh, or if you want to suggest future topics, you can visit our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you at the next Head Mounted Destination.